We're here on Sunday night recording the 14th episode of the Mongrel Punt podcast. 14. Count them with me. One, two, no. 14. <laughs> 14 of them. Can't believe we're still here. It's Sunday night. We're having a great time. Mrs. Mongrel has just finished watching the last game of football. Did you see any of it or just staring at your phone the whole time? I just noticed the Hawks in their outfits and how narrow their waists look. Very slimming. That's all I noticed. You do like that. Thank you for joining me again, Mrs. Mungrel. Mm. The most tired of all people is your unofficial title for today. I don't um, know how I'm still alive, to be honest. Well, we do have a three-year-old that decides <laughs> when we sleep and when we don't. And last night she decided that we don't. <laughs> She's also a um, purveyor of fine jam drop biscuits. And she made me actually leave that in or put that in to this well, podcast. Last time you mentioned my zucchini soup, which you didn't try, but was very good. This time you tried the jam drops. Well, they're jam drops. They're biscuits. They, they were good, weren't they? The zucchini soup can go suck. <laughs> Got no interest in that. <laughs> so, Mrs. Mungrel, just off the top of your head, what's the benefits of membership at the Mungrel Punt? Just, just for our listeners who may not be aware. I like them more than I like the average person. Yeah, perhaps a shout out from Mrs. Mungrel on the podcast for new members. Wow. Yeah. What a carrot to dangle. <laughs> <laughs> now, guys, you get three different ranking columns every week. You've got a... Wingman ranking, defensive rankings, and our power power rankings, which are weekly, and then probably about once every three to four weeks, we'll do a combined column, which is available to everyone. We'll discuss later on. Always love getting abuse from people when we post that. So, you know, stay tuned. And if you want to jump on and support the mongrel, we'd really appreciate it. We might jump straight into the talking points of the week, and we're a few days behind this because it happened late last week, but Steel Sidebottom has been suspended for four weeks from the AFL for breaking COVID restrictions when they found him semi-naked on the streets of Williamstown. Now, Look, you're... ordinarily I'm very unimpressed by that kind of behaviour, but he was semi-naked and brilliant. Now, they haven't really <laughs> gone into details about just how naked he was. I don't know who this guy is. I don't know what he looks like. Still side bottom's bald. He plays for Collingwood. nothing. Again, tells me nothing. Anyway, half naked on the streets, good on him. So what I want to know is, did he just have his top off or did he go full Humphrey B. Bear style and just have his top on and running around with his tackle out? Doesn't Pooh Bear also do that? Humphrey Bear. And so does Fat... No, Fat Cat wears pants. No, but, but Pooh Bear doesn't wear pants. Pooh Bear, does does, Pooh Bear can do whatever he likes. Though he does have that horrible wheezy voice. Can't stand that Pooh Bear. <laughs> Do you remember we, we took our daughter to that place and the woman kept asking her if she knows about poo? <laughs> and our daughter's looking at us like... Oh, Why is hell? this woman talking about poo all the yeah. time? I'm like, please just... Stop, you know, move on. Explain to her it's a bear at least. <laughs> so she doesn't just go, yes, I like poo. <laughs> Great stuff from that woman. I was pretty unimpressed. So apparently he went to visit Jeremy Howe, who got injured last week. In a pretty... Um, oh, we talked about it last week where he's knee kind of bent oh. at the wrong angle yeah ended up in in williamstown took an uber in the in the meantime so broke restrictions all over the place and your buddy eddie mcguire <laughs> oh, came out and i believe the the words he used I, I might be a little bit wrong here but i think it was the penalty was excessive and contestable and i really think that eddie didn't read the room here at all he basically has a player who put the competition in jeopardy with a bout of idiocy, basically. He just lost the plot for a few hours. 
basically came out and said that he doesn't remember much about the night. I bet he so, doesn't. So he got smashed. And then he's just rocked up and walked out the wrong door, apparently. Like, you know, he was obviously aiming for a broom closet or something, and he's found the back door, and he's ended up being picked up by police. So, yeah, steel side bottom, not the best uh, effort. Oh, oh this, you like this. So Eddie Maguire, they found some footage on the weekend of him on one of his 14,000 TV shows that he does calling for a $100,000 fine and a suspension for the rest of the season for the next player who gets caught breaching the coronavirus restrictions. Now, if he was a man of his word... He would uh, actually come out and say, yes, well, we're stepping steel side bottom down for the rest of the season because that, that's what I asked for. But um, he's been pretty silent on that he's, one. He's a very blustery kind of fellow, and I reckon he'd do really well in US politics. Oh, he'd be president. Yeah. Trump Maguire, 2020. <laughs> I reckon he could go with Don Jr. <gasps> oh Don Jr. and Eddie. Unfortunately, Ed's not a citizen, but, you know, you can buy citizenship there pretty easy. I won't even touch the stuff with Jordan Degoe at the moment. He's not going to be playing this week coming. Uh, that was the indecent assault allegations back from 2015. So he's... So the pies are under a bit of pressure here. They're oh, yeah. kind of just... Imploding? Yeah, they're, they're <laughs> completely smashed up. There. And they've dropped the last two games too. So people were basically talking about how good they were, how strong they looked. They've dropped the last two. They haven't looked overly terrible. But this external stuff, I'm not sure if it has a, an impact on the, the team's psyche or not. I mean, the goey won't be playing. He's out and he's out of the hub. He'll have to go up there at a later date and and play. But they've also got that the racism stuff with Heretia Lamumba, who I heard someone call Horatio Labamba during the week. <laughs> which didn't. Was, oh, my God. Yeah, I was like, no, 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 that's a bit wrong. But so he's making these accusations... Uh, of racism during his time at Collingwood, which I think ended a few years ago. And then he went and played with Melbourne for a year or so. It largely stems around nicknames that were given to him by the playing group. And he's saying that the management and the coaching were aware of what was happening. He took it to Nathan Buckley. Um, he doesn't feel it was resolved. So he's he's wanting a resolution. What were the nicknames? Chimp. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure of the details. I'm not sure players have been named who were... How could anybody be that stupid? Like, how could anybody genuinely function if they are that dumb to call? Well, they oh. are AFL players. They're not exactly, you know, Harvard graduates. Well, there's a couple of smart ones amongst them. I'm guessing the ones that kind of doled out that nickname weren't exactly the, the best thinkers at the club. And... He's, he's had that corroborated by a couple of ex-players and stuff as well. So Buckley's come out and said that he didn't hear that. Um, of course he didn't. Well, there's been a couple of people, including former Fremantle coach Ross Lyon, who said that he was quite distant from the players. He didn't sit with them, eat with them. He didn't do any of that sort of stuff. So the playing group was the playing group, and he coached. So he didn't socialise. He didn't, you know, they weren't best mates and stuff. So there is a chance that that could be true. That Buckley was distant at that point. You'd think he a wasn't. good coach would know what's going on in his player group, though. If it was one or two people, I don't know. Like, mm. I looked at you know teams that I played for. I didn't even know some people's names. 
when I played with him. Yeah, I'm you like, hate that, people, that guy. Yeah, well, how do you know Buckley doesn't hate people? That's true. It probably does. Yeah, he's actually, look, looking at him from the outside in, he's come a long way with his coaching and people skills. He had the nickname Fig Jam at one point when he played. You know what that stands for, right? No. What? If I'm good, just ask me. So that was a nickname that was given to him. And I, I'm pretty sure he embraced it. But as a coach, you can't basically... As, <laughs> I know a couple of people who <laughs> could avoid to. As a coach, you probably shouldn't believe you're the best player at the club. So he's you know had to probably check his ego at the door a little bit. And I think he's come a long way. It would be interesting to see how this kind of plays out over the next little while. Collingwood have announced an internal investigation into it. And they've appointed an Indigenous academic to lead it. Now, I'm not sure of her name. I probably should have looked it up. But I'm I'm hoping that, you know, everyone comes out of this and gets the resolution that they want. I'm not really sure what resolution Lumumba wants, but whatever it is, I hope he, he gets close to it. So we might move on to the game from Thursday night. It was the, the Saints and the Blues. And Brett Ratton, St Kilda coach. You like St Kilda. One I of do. You do, yes. You're hoping for the Saints and the Suns in the grand final. That would be a dream. Imagine how excited I'd get reviewing that. <laughs> yes, because of all your other reviews that you've done. I might review that game anyway. Mm. Eventually, Mrs Mungrel is going to sit down and watch the 1989 grand final. With and, Dermot. Yeah, with Dermot. I love Dermot. You do. <laughs> Even when he looks like a dishevelled old woman, it's you still like him. It's my favourite Dermot. <laughs> so she'll review that for us eventually. So Brett Ratton basically didn't sit on his hands against Carlton. He pulled moves right from the start. He put Jack Steele onto Patrick Cripps. And despite what you see in the stats at the end of the game, he actually did a really, really good job on Cripps. He also threw his captain onto the other captain of Carlton, Sam Doherty, and it worked a treat. Jaron Geary kicked a couple of goals in the first quarter. Doherty ended up being moved from the back line, which was a huge win, just to try and get him into the game. So what you kind of seen was David Teague at Carlton being very reactive and Brett Ratton being very proactive in this game. It actually was a fantastic game to watch, believe it or not. The Saints were excellent. Dan Butler was good again. No one else has done this with Doherty. No one else has gone and said, right, we're going to shut this guy down. And he's been having a party back there for the first four weeks of the season. So much so he was number one in our power rankings, Mungrel 50, but that's a story for a bit later. So I've kind of raised Brett Ratton in my esteem there. He's done an incredible job with a new bunch of recruits at St Kilda. So you'd be pretty happy. Yep, love them. Yep. Cats and the Suns, your other team, the Suns, who you also think are called GWS. Look, it's just a bit much for me. That's all right. I'll get there. Well, they are different, just. Um, Both expansion teams came in a year removed from each other. See? Yeah, basically the same team, Basically right? the same. Righto. So Gold Coast hung around until probably halfway through the third quarter, and they, and they did it without Matt Rowell, who popped his shoulder out. Now, there was a collective groan from the AFL world when this happened because he's basically one of the bright spots of the season. So amidst all the hubs and shutdowns and restarts and injuries and people not going to the hubs and all that sort of stuff, the start of Matt Rowell's career with three best-on-ground performances in four games... How long does it take to fix a shoulder that pops out? Uh, I'm not sure the exact di- diagnosis yet. If it's just a dislocation, could be a few weeks. If it's he's done something to the AC joint in there as well, could be a couple of months. So 
I'm hoping it's just a dislocation. He gets, you know, gets a rest. The swelling goes down. As someone who's popped his shoulder out a couple of times, um, after you've done it a couple of times, it just kind of goes back in. That's gross. But yeah. also, good. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> well, I'm hoping he's done it a couple of times before. He doesn't wear any strapping on it or anything, so I'm doubting that he that he has. And he looked a little bit distraught when it happened. Great to see him sitting in with the team at halftime. So usually when a player is injury, injured, they mope around, they go and sit by himself and they get consoled, you know. He's basically sitting down with his team, talking tactics and stuff at halftime with his arm in a sling. And I'm like, you can see that this kid's going to be a captain of that team. Ironically, he's playing against the guy who did that sort of stuff when he was a kid at Geelong, Selwood, who played his 300th game. They sent him off with the win. And your buddy, Gary Ablett, played it. You just rolled your eyes. Look at you. Give us a bit of a, an, an Ablett hate. Did you curse him during this game? I, I've got a new thing now where I curse players when I don't like their teams or I specifically don't like them. And who did it work for? Someone got hurt and, I, did it and then you for? decided to try it on, on Ablett as well. <laughs> I was I like, she's just got someone. this morbid fascination with... <laughs> And yeah, I won't tell you what she what she's cursing them with. But I used I used our daughter's Elsa powers. I just went. Psh, you did <laughs> put my hand up. I believe itching testicles was uh, one of the symptoms you were trying to curse them with. It's usually, what I curse people with. Yeah, it is it's so itchy these <laughs> days. Especially the women. Yeah. So they had a like Tom Hawkins has kicked kicked three in this one, and there's another play that you love. Um, He's having a a huge influence I think he had double figure score involvements again Even when he's not kicking goals himself He's doing a bulk of work up Up in the forward 50 And another bloke named Sam Menegola Who's always been Probably like the 4th, 5th, maybe even 6th string Midfielder for Geelong He almost is, Is a bit of robotic nature about him He's very good overhead Kicks beautifully He's got a wonderful kicking style and stuff but he's never really taken the next step. He's playing on the wing this year, and I've been paying a bit of attention because we've got our wingman ratings, you see. Cheap plug. So I've been doing that, and he's been either first or second best on ground the last two weeks. So I think Nick Sluggett gave him best on ground this week as well. So they've found a home for him on the wing, and he's looking fantastic. Are the Eagles back? Yes. Did they ever leave? Yes, they did for a while. <laughs> they were gone. They uh, were fantastic in this game. So the Eagles are back, right? Are they? They are. Okay. Good. Well, <laughs> where's Buddy? Buddy? Is he ever coming back? I think he'll be probably second half of the year. He plays he's... for Sydney, doesn't he? He, he does. does. He does yeah. play for Sydney. That's excellent. <laughs> Is he gone for the year? No, he did his hamstring, and they, they reckon he'll be back second half. So you're looking probably around, you know, around 9, 10-ish. Do you think he's going to be able to do anything? Or is he just, like, eating burgers? He, look, I don't like body shaming anybody particularly because that can be turned on me pretty quickly. <laughs> but he, you and me both. he has looked too heavy for the last couple of years. So he's, mm. he's what, 34 now or 35 or something? I don't know. He's, he's around there. He's almost my age. Yeah, almost. Almost. <laughs> He's still got a fair way to go to catch me. But I'm his disappointing future. <laughs> <laughs> all downhill from 35. <laughs> so, so he's... I think he probably needs to drop 
close to five or five to ten kilos, which is no small ask at all. But the pressure he's putting on that body at this stage of his career means that he's gonna and and the way he plays, which is a hundred percent flat out the whole time, he's probably gonna tear something or other. But what we saw in this game, the Swans went in with no ruckman. So the two ruckmen were both injured. They had a bloke named Aliyah Aliyah. It's pretty easy to remember. Um, they threw him into the ruck against Nick Natanui, and Nick Nat just had an absolute field day out there. He was, he's been known for a long time as his dominating presence that just kind of bullies his way forward. But what he showed in this game was just this deft touch where he'd jump up over Aliyah and then just with the slightest touch, put it right in the, his midfielder's hands. And he, I think he was best on ground by a long, long way. So when you get him playing probably a little bit more time than he usually would, because when he's playing so well, it's a great time to lift those restrictions they have on his minutes a little bit. He was just monstrous in this game. And the pressure of Elliot Yo, which has been something that people said has been missing. It's been, I think, misguided in the first first four weeks of the season. The pressure's been there, but it's been in the form of you know, late tackles or just hanging on to someone for a little bit too long. And in this game, Yo got it right. I think he only had five five tackles for the game, but it was the way he applied himself at the contest. There was a number of periods there where he was just throwing himself in like a madman. And when he's doing that, the rest of the team follows suit. Two young kids for, for West Coast were fantastic into the first quarter. I thought they actually turned the game in in the Eagles' favour. That's Oscar Allen, who took a mark, running flat out above his head, and the ball just stuck there. I was basically waiting for the camera to pan to the left as the ball slipped through his hands, and it stuck there like he had glue on his hands. Went back, kicked the goal, and then Jake Waterman kicked one as well at the end of the quarter. Brought the Eagles right back. I think it was two points difference at that point, and that gave him the kickstart. Frio got their first win. Did it without Nat Fife. They were only playing Adelaide. But, um, well, that, that's sad because Adelaide played off of the grand final like three years ago. It is sad. And they've just fallen so far. All these details came out during the weekend of uh, their camp. Secret camp. Oh, well, it's not a secret. Everyone knows about it. But um, details of like fake knives and weapons being used and people being tied up and having abuse hurled at them. In the, this is in the name of mental toughness. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Did nobody in the leadership group stand up and go, hey, this is this is completely fucked, we're leaving? I think the, the big bone of contention in this was the fact someone used an, an Indigenous artefact as part of the camp, as part of some, I don't know, activity. And a few of the Indigenous boys were pretty pissed off about it. Yeah. And, you know, that, that was the point that had been made previously. Then someone came out and said, oh, they played the Richmond theme song over and over again. Apparently it happened once on the bus, but you know people tend to exaggerate. Now this other stuff's coming out. This obviously could have gone either way. It would have either galvanised the group or ripped it apart, and obviously it's ripped it apart. So they've had people leave left, right, and centre. Yeah, I don't club. know that that kind of training has anything but one way to go. Well, some of the successful teams have had this that 360 feedback. They've yeah, tried that sort of stuff. Surely that's different to... Oh, look, some people are sensitive little fake flowers. knives and... <laughs> so you go back here, yeah, I have no idea about that. <laughs> but Geelong did this thing where they had the 360 feedback, and at that point, Gary Ablett was with them. So this is, you know, let's say mid to late 2000s, so probably about 2006, six seven, And 
one of the players or a few of the players basically basically called him out and said, you're dogging it, you're not putting in, you're not giving us what you're capable of. You could be our version of so-and-so and you're just not working hard enough. And it was something Ouch. that no one had ever told him. And this kind of happens in front of the whole group. And from that point on, you can go either way. You can either commit or you can get a bit dirty on it and go, well, screw these guys. I might as well go and side with Gold Coast, which he eventually did. But um, yeah, he went and knuckled down, got fit, became the best player in the comp at that point, and basically has probably got the best CV in modern in the modern game. So five most valuable player awards. No one's even got close to that. I think two is the best after that. So you know that sort of stuff can go either way. Michael Walton. Sorry, but sorry. imagine if someone at work said. Gave you feedback going, you're dogging it. You're just not putting in the work. Can't you tell me? Can't you be someone at my work and tell me that? I can't because, well, I shouldn't say this, but if I'm someone at your work, I'm dogging it so much I don't even have time to give you exactly. feedback. Exactly. I just acknowledge it and <laughs> smile and nod. I'll go, yep, that's true. Thanks. Thanks for coming. Now get out of my office. <laughs> All right. So Michael Walters was really good in this. Old man Mundy, who really stepped up. In that five absence, I think he had 25 touches and seven clearances, which is far and away the best output of him for the year. He kind of put that team on his back. Michael Walters really picked up the pace after one touch in the first half. That was a goal, but I reckon he's actually tarnishing his reputation at the moment. The amount of times that he's putting his head down and trying to draw high tackles and basically pretending to be hit in the head, throwing his head back and, you know, flailing around... He's way too good for that sort of stuff. He's a he's a top 20 player in the league. He can play forward or midfield and be a match winner in either position. He's much too good to be trying to draw free kicks as his go-to move. Late in the game, he took a you know, big screamer in the forward line, went back, kicked a goal. That's what you want from him. I'm not sure that you know, this flailing around like a fish out of water trying to you know, draw the umpire's attention is a good thing because it actually doesn't work for him. They see him coming now and they don't pay his free kicks. So he probably should stop. Your man, Tex Walker. I don't know what they're doing with Tex Walker. I really don't. I don't know if he knows what's happening at this club. From what I saw today, he had, he had one point where he was leading at the ball and he was leading into the sun and they kicked it to him. He just put his hand up and ran straight under the ball. He couldn't see the ball. So I think on commentary they went, oh, well, he's got the sun, sun in his eyes. And the commentator said, well, that sun's been there for quite a while. So <laughs> it was a good call because, you know, his opponent read it, dropped back and took the ball away. He just seems like he's not there at the moment. And in the end, they started using him as a decoy. So you got this big bloke who's, you know, very close to, to having, having kicked the most goals in club history. And they're using him he's as... Just being a, wasted. Well, it's just a wasted spot at the moment. Actually, I think he's got, I don't know how many games, like five games or something to go till he plays his 200th. I get the feeling 200 might be about it for him. They might just get him there and then they might start focusing on the kids a little bit. The other bloke they've got is the guy who took the captaincy from, from Walker, and that's Rory Sloan. And half time today, he touched the ball five times. They've moved him out of the centre. I don't know whether they think they've got too many one-speed players in there, but I'm not even sure who they're replacing him with. He ended up getting 11 in the second half, but I'm 
he's 30 years old and I'm thinking the ship might have sailed on Rory Sloan as well which is yeah, you know, he's dropped off a cliff this year he's been carrying a couple of injuries but he's looking nowhere near it they got a guy called Ben Keys, and you had a bit of a you, you started getting actually a little bit excited during I did. this game because you he looks like the lead singer from Sugar Ray the band every morning or yes. just sometimes and, and that and that song called Fly they had like two hits and then faded away, but his look was iconic. So if you're listening on your phone, Mark McGrath is this guy's name. Yeah, yeah. And Ben Keys apparently is a spitting image. Look up Sugar Ray on YouTube. Sugar Ray, all right. And we might superimpose a couple of pictures of of Mark McGrath onto Ben Keys' body. Yeah. And maybe get a few more kicks if we do that. Ouch. <laughs> so I've looked at uh, yeah, I've looked at teams that, that waste the footy. And Adelaide were horrible in this game. They just missed targets left, right, and center. The only team at the moment that's doing something similar is Melbourne. They've got a midfield that really can't hit targets. So the Crows absolutely butcher the footy going inside 50. They cannot hit a target for the life of them. I'm not sure that's entirely the midfielder's fault, but the more I watch them, the more they seem to kind of go backwards and sidewards to the point where the mid... the Forward line's just completely congested, and they can't hit a target there, so I don't know what they're doing there. Matthew Nix is, uh, he's really up against it. They're, uh, they're looking like the wooden spooners this year. And speaking of teams that waste the footy, Melbourne are the other team that seemingly have no idea how to go forward at all. So they've got a midfield that boasts you know, the likes of Viney, Petrarca, Brayshaw and Clayton Oliver. The, go Petrarca. Yeah, go, go Petrarca. <laughs> Started like a train today and then kind of went off the rails towards the end. But he, um, that team, they butcher the footy so badly going forward that I would hate to play forward and le- be leading to them. They just cannot hit a target. The main one in this Storm one... Stormtroopers of the AFL. I like it. <laughs> yeah. You'd be, you'd be more in more danger if you were part of the scenery. You'd be getting <laughs> hit with a stray laser bolt from these guys. <laughs> So the main bloke that they'll, that'll get pointed out in the review will be Clayton Oliver because he missed a target in the last five minutes going forward and Richmond ran down and kicked the goal. But for mine, Angus Brayshaw has all this talent. He's looked at as a really good kick of the football and he's just not. He basically kicks aimlessly all the time. Now Oliver will know where he wants to go and know what he wants to do with the ball. Sometimes he has skill errors. Brayshaw looks like he doesn't know anything about where, where he wants to kick the ball. At one point, he got a beautiful handoff from Max Gorn. So that's not a sexual thing. Don't um, smile. I was just <laughs> enjoying what was happening. So in the showers, he got this handoff, right? <laughs> <laughs> so in the centre, he got this handoff. And he took about two or three steps. Then he turned and looked over his shoulder like he thought someone was coming. And then he just kicked it right into the into a group of three opponents. And I'm like... What is this guy doing? No no Melbourne player in the vicinity, just three Richmond players. And I'm like, he he doesn't know what the hell he's doing. So I got to write a, a co-column with one of the mongrel writers named Alex Doherty this week, where basically I took on the role of North Melbourne supporter, as I was when I was a little tacker. Don't tell anyone I changed teams when I was nine years old. <laughs> but I was basically writing on the, from the North Melbourne perspective, and he was writing from... The Western Bulldogs perspective 
And I was really struggling to find more than two things that were positive for North Melbourne on the night. I basically thought that Todd Goldstein was good, and even then he kind of just broke even with Tim English. And I thought that Luke McDonald did a good job in shutting down Marcus Bond and Pally. The positive thing here for the the Bulldogs is that Bontempelli didn't play well at all. He had 12 touches or something for the night, and they were still blisteringly hot against North Melbourne. North couldn't couldn't fire a shot. So they were kicking to Ben Brown, who looks like he's wearing concrete shoes at the moment. When he goes to jump, right? You ever seen someone they do triple jump and they do this huge jump, then another one, then another one? Yeah, looks amazing. That's how his last three jumps are before he actually jumps at the football. So it's almost like he he's all out of whack and he can't get his run up right at the football. So he's taking these big, huge strokes. It's like he's got Herman Munster shoes on. I don't yeah. know. Herman Munster? No. He's part of the Munsters. They were a band. Or maybe they had a TV show. They had a TV show. <laughs> and Herman <laughs> Munster... Gap is showing. <laughs> Herman Munster was like a Frankenstein kind of character. You know, Frankenstein had those massive boots and stuff. Well, he had a lot of problems. Well, yeah, we won't dwell on them because, you know... We don't do that on this podcast. <laughs> move on, move Unless on. it's justified. But the dogs had, had a forward that was doing the, the complete opposite. So while Bren Brown was plodding around, looking like a guy that you know, couldn't get near it, Josh Bruce at the other end, he, was, he kicked six goals, which was his equal career high, took contested marks, looked like an absolute beast. And sometimes he, was, he ended up being isolated with a small guy. I'm like, Jesus. The North back line, they have... Robbie Tarrant, they have Josh Walker. They would be dying for Magic Door to get back into that team and actually give them some size and some athleticism back there because Robbie Tarrant can't do it all, and that's what they're asking of him at the moment. They're asking him to be the interceptor, they're asking him to be their lockdown defender, and they're asking him to be their, be their best rebound 50 performer as well, and he just can't do everything. Their, uh, their game plan... I don't think I saw them lower their eyes and hit a target most of the night. They were relying on people jumping all over the place and taking big marks. And the only two that looked like they were going to do it were Curtis Taylor and Taron Thomas. And Taron Thomas almost killed himself at one point and was taken off the ground. That was it for him. They also played a guy who was obviously injured in Ben Cunnington. Go on. Nothing. What? what, what? No, of course not. You're, gonna, you're not going to say anything. What could possibly be the problem? Yep. So they played Ben Cunnington, who obviously was sore, had a back injury, couldn't get around, and he ended up spending probably half the game sitting on the bench, unable to play. So whoever made that decision to play him has probably got some some questions to answer. I touched on Melbourne before and how poor they were, and the Tigers ran over the top of them today, kind of did what Richmond does, or when they what they do when they're up and about, which is just pressure, 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 apply tackles, you know, force people to, or tempt people to forward handball and then absolutely crunch them when they do. Thing is, they've come out of this game with with Toby Nankervis, with syndesmosis. Do you know what that is? But no. I'm pretty sure it's like a sprained ankle, but oh, like a severe sprained that ankle. That sounds so much better than I've sprained my ankle. Yeah, I've got syndesmosis. Or oh, you should see a doctor about that. I, I did. And um, <laughs> he gave me some antibiotics. <laughs> So Dion Prestia, he did the same thing as well. He's their reigning best and fairest. Now, when he got injured, the commentators were almost eulogizing him as though his career was over. Like, oh, look at him. Oh, this is devastating for him. Oh, this is such terrible news. They were saying he did his knee 
it actually just basically twisted his ankle. So I'm like, well, they're, I don't know whether they were actually barracking for him to, yeah. to be hurt. Or were <laughs> they just... They've been waiting for this moment yeah, for quite a well, while. About time he got hurt. So they've also had um, the, the man with the great hair, Trent Cotchen. Gotcha. A bit of a hamstring strain as well. So they're about to head into their interstate hub. They've got Basher Hawley and Shane Edwards both opting out of the hubs. Now, these guys are easily best 22 players. They're probably best 10 to 12 players on the team. What is your thoughts on them staying out of the hub? Basher Hawley's wife had just had a baby. It was a baby. I'm pretty sure it was a baby. Yep, good. Yes. <laughs> good, good. Little boy. <laughs> I'm just, I was just trying to remember whether it was a boy or a girl. It is a boy. Uh, and Shane Edwards' wife slash partner is due to give birth in August at some point. Late August, I believe. Good time to have a baby, I believe. Late August. So what are your thoughts on this? I don't see the problem. Why would they go? Honestly, if you had even considered any going anywhere, either a couple of months before I gave birth or right after, you'd be in so much trouble. Oh, believe me, I considered it right after. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure I considered it right after. <laughs> no, I don't have. I don't think there's an, any issue with them looking after the people they're supposed to be looking out for first. One of the headlines today was basically talking about how they still get paid during this time, right? Full pay. You think that's fair as well? Or do you consider that to be basically paternity leave? Yeah. So at my workplace, I get two weeks. Look, you're... Right? Hang on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yep. I get two weeks. And then if you're able to wrangle, you know, a bit of this primary care business. Your workplace is a shit show. (laughs) Okay. Hey, hey, they've they've given me a lot of money over the years. (laughs) But if, you know, you're the primary caregiver, you get an additional six weeks, right? I'm doubting that these guys will be the primary caregiver, but I'm not saying I'm against it. However, but, and also however, (laughs) if I was playing on that team and... We had a chance at winning the Premiership, which I, I still think Richmond are a red-hot chance to win again. I'm, I'm not sure how I'd, I'd feel about that. I mean, in theory, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, great. It's your family, lovely, everyone understands. But at the same time, I'd be like, hey, guys, you're living in basically Corona Central there. Wouldn't you like to come up and just have some quiet time up here where everyone's healthy and no. not diseased? No, because they're doing the right thing by their families. They yeah. really are. And you know what? You're too we nice. work in the same or well, in similarish industries, yes. spheres, I suppose. And my workplace treats people so much better than your workplace does. And that's nice. So if their workplace treats them really, really well, I think that's excellent. So you make good arguments. Don't you? Do I? No, not really. Not really. <laughs> if if their workplace treats them well, that's really excellent. Was your last point? <laughs> It is. And you know what? Good luck to them. And, and guys should take all the time they can off when they have a baby. Oh, gee, you threw that last bit in there because I was about to say, great, I'm going to take some time off <laughs> when you have a baby. Yeah, great. Keep working. <laughs> last game we just watched was the, the Hawks and GWS. My team, the Hawks, got beaten pretty comprehensively. Um, I had a look at the big three for GWS. Jeremy Cameron, Harry Himmelberg, and Jeremy Finlayson kicked nine between them. And this is the, the sort of combination that Fremantle are trying to get with Jesse Hogan and Matt Taberner and whoever else they throw in to be the third guy. Who knows? Maybe Cam McCarthy. 
these guys were fantastic against Hawthorne. And another bloke named Josh Kelly looks like he's found a home on the wing now. He's been playing there this season. They've got such a such a glut of great players that play in the middle that they can afford to move this this guy out onto the wing. He's ended up having 30, 30 touches today, I think 23 run contests. He just ran around, did what he liked. He was, you know, close to best on for mine. And they looked really good. It's amazing to think that they were the same team that could barely even register a score against Hawthorne late last year when they played in the snow. That was a lovely game. It was, yeah, it was quite picturesque. But um, <laughs> in that game, Hawthorne just came in with a really great game plan. And credit to Leon Cameron here, he didn't allow it to happen this time. So a lot of people question the GWS coach as to whether he is up to the job and up to the up to the task of coaching such a, a talented bunch. And he's obviously done his homework. He came out tonight and basically played this master coach on the break. And one thing I did watch was Tom Mitchell had one touch in the third term. And I was like, oh, is there something in this? Because he started games really, really well. So while we're sitting here getting ready to do our podcast and you're getting all the equipment ready and doing whatever it is you do there, it's a bit too complicated for me. I started doing addition, which is the extent of my mathematical Again, knowledge. too complicated. <laughs> and worked out in the first half of games, Mitchell's picking up 13.8 touches a game. In the second half, 9.2. The third quarter is his lowest. He's averaging 4.5 touches a game in the third quarter. And I'm wondering whether he's cooling down. So he's coming back from that broken leg. At halftime, he goes off. He's playing well in the first half. He goes off, comes back on. I'm wondering whether he's feeling a little bit sore, a little bit stiff after halftime and takes him a while to start warming back into the game. I reckon the Hawks should be chucking him on the exercise bike at halftime and making sure he stays warm. Yeah, he can go to the toilet on his own time, damn it. Just make sure you stay warm, Tom. So yeah, Cycling his legs as he's going. <laughs> yeah, he'll be going everywhere. <laughs> so I wanted to have a quick rundown of the, the Mongrel 50. We released this on Tuesday night, I think. To rapturous applause and lots of abuse, just as usual, you know, same as last year. What's the Mongrel 50? Oh, great question. The Mongrel 50 is basically our four-week composite power rankings. So over the first four weeks, we compile them all together. We end up with a top 10, uh, oh, sorry, a top 50. That's what's called the Mongrel 50 and not the Mongrel 10, because that would be really confusing <laughs> to everybody. Good job. So we run down the top 10. We had Sam Doherty at number one. Lockie Neal at number two, Charlie Dixon number three, Todd Goldstein number four, Adam Saad number five, Jeremy Howe number six, Matt Rowell number seven, Toby Green number eight, Scott Pendlebury number nine, Jared Witts number ten. Now of them, Lock, uh, Sam Doherty played an absolute shocker. He got beaten pants down. Lockie Neal was good. Charlie Dixon had a shocker as well. He was beaten, didn't kick a goal. He was one of the best forwards in the comp for the first few weeks of the season. Goldstein split his he split his contest with Tim English, so you know still pretty good. Adam Sard had a quiet one. Jeremy Howe was out injured, his knee all buckled. Matt Rowell did his shoulder. Toby Green had a relatively good game. Pendlebury was really good again, and Jared Witts probably had a bit more of a down game this week than what we'd seen from him. There were some big names missing in this countdown, so no Dusty at that point, the four week point. No Dangerfield, no Fife. The biggest noise was made by North Melbourne supporters because 
Jai Simkin came in at number 52. So I didn't make the list, but a lot of people were asking me, oh, why no Simkin? This is wrong. He's an easily a top 20 player of the, the season. What we do with this is it's basically measured on highs. So a, a good player coming out and getting 23, 24, 25 touches a week consistently isn't going to accrue a lot of points in this system. We have a trigger point. So say it's 26 possessions per game, which it is, 26 possessions a game. Once he hits that point, then he starts accruing points in that category. And it's the same for everything. So clearances are the same. Tackles are the same. Inside 50s are the same. Each position is assessed differently. Now, Jai Simkin has been right around the mark on it several times. Just below, just, yeah? Just below, mm. right? So I think he, he hit possessions once. He didn't do it again this week. He had 20 touches this week. So whilst he was okay, he won't get it again this week. So people were up in arms that Jai Simkin wasn't top 20. He wasn't even top 50 when you consider that his highs are nowhere near the highs of some of the other players playing his position. Is that a flaw to have some really good, consistent, steady players performing well every week but not making it in? What I want from this is the best players on the best teams, the players who are making a difference. Now, whilst he's been good, and I don't doubt that he's been good, he hasn't been a superstar. He hasn't been dragging his team over the line. He's had moments, but when you consider we had a North Melbourne player at number four, Todd Goldstein, he's been much more impactful than Jai Simkin. I was really happy to see Goldstein score so well. Last year we had Brody Grundy who was unassailable, so he basically jumped out at the start, had a massive first month, and from then on no one could get near him. Lockie Neal went close a couple of times, got to second, dropped down to fifth and stuff. The premise of this is that we wait the last four weeks at 100%, and anything prior at 50%. So if someone has a really great round one and two, by the time we do the next rankings, if they haven't performed well, you'll see them drop. So we kind of give a little bit of credence to what has happened six weeks ago, but n not as much as the last four weeks. So it's a it's a very fluid ranking system. I forgot that we do that percentage thing. Yeah. You just and since I'm the one that, that does it, yeah, I'm... Um... I better get to work. You definitely better Sport get to out work. those formulas. So I'm sure that this system will have its critics, and that's fine. I mean, I trust the process, and it's something we've tinkered with over the last year and a half, really, to get right. And we may end up tinkering with it again after this season. You're nodding furiously there because she thinks that not rewarding consistency from relatively good players is a big flaw, obviously. I just want to work less, so, you know... <laughs> If we can get someone to automate it, that would be great. I think that person is me. I think that is you. Yeah. <laughs> can you automate most things I do? That'd be wonderful. I do. Yeah. I do use a lot of pen and paper. I can't stand that. What is wrong with you? So can much. You just use Excel. No. <laughs> In a nutshell, I can't. I've started using it. You've been relatively impressed with me entering stuff into a. Well, I'll call it a database. It's just, a spreadsheet. Just move on. I'll move so on. So we're going to talk about uh, Hub Life. Hub Life. Before he starts talking about Excel and databases. Come no, on. That would be the shortest conversation in history if I started talking about Excel. <laughs> Seriously. Um, so they've got hubs coming up this week. So whether players go or whether they don't, I just want to give a bit of a tip of the hat to all the South Australian teams and West Australian teams who 
uprooted themselves and moved to Queensland over the last month. Yeah, look, they didn't really have a great time. No, no one was saying they were going to have the most wonderful time, you know, removing themselves from their family. But the whole team went, you know, every one of them on those teams all packed up and went up to Queensland. For some of the teams, all we heard out of them was positivity. Like, oh, we're embracing it. We're loving it. One of the Port Adelaide players called it paradise. We're in paradise up here. So it's only really lockdown in, a, in the hub for the first couple of weeks. So they go up there, they are restricted to playing games, hanging out at the resort. I mean, oh, ow, oh no, not the resort. <laughs> in, a, in a state where the weather's a lot better. Like, how can, how can I go get quarantined up there? Yeah, I wouldn't mind getting quarantined up there as well. You can come. <laughs> Thank you. you can come. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see the way that teams react to it, whether some of the Melbourne teams embrace it or whether they lose the plot a little bit and their season spirals. So we saw West Coast bounce back this week. They were on a, was it a three-game losing streak, I think? Yeah, they haven't been good. So they were, they really struggled with the concept. They struggled with the conditions. They're a mark-and-kick team, and they were playing in dewy, slippery conditions, so it really brought them undone. But there were a lot of graphs that basically said that their pressure was really, really low as well. So they, they upped the ante this week. They started really pressuring against the Swans, and... Lo and behold, they win. So I reckon it's as much about mindset as it is about skills. And the team that adapts the quickest is going to reap the benefits up there. So which resort would you like to go to? Ridges on Swanson? Oh my God, Corona Central. Yeah. I've been you know, thinking of recommending people to become security guards. Seems an easy way to pick up quarantine chicks. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Yeah, our Victoria, we've really uh... we're, yeah, we're actually living in a um a locked down hotspot suburb. Hey, who went to the shops today and was actually pulled over by police because the main road had a checkpoint on it? So they asked me for my license. I had it for a change, which was good. Um, date of birth or you know, proving where I am. They need to know where I was going as well. So to the shops was my answer. <laughs> Just here, so. Yeah, I have a letter from my work that will allow me to go to work this week, stating that I'm a required worker. God knows why, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but apparently they'll they'll let me through with that. So, yeah, fun times in the old uh, in the old hood. I wouldn't mind being in a hub. We might uh, finish up there. It's been a, an eventful week. You've got a bit of editing to do on the podcast, so we'll go from fifty minutes down to about twenty two <laughs> after you take out the garbage. <laughs> And uh, yeah, just really glad the AFL season's still kicking on, even if there's no games in Victoria at all. Really doesn't matter to me at all. Oh, it's lovely. Queensland has those beautiful blue skies. Yeah, you loved it. Looking at it. You loved seeing it. You said, where's, where's this game being played? I went, oh, it's Gold Coast. You're like, oh my God, it looks beautiful there. Yeah, it probably would be compared to here where it was shitty and raining all day. With police everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't you want to go out in the rain? No, don't go out in the pouring rain. <laughs> We're going to sign off before I make any more stupid puns. Thanks for joining us, guys. We'll catch you after round six.